to be praised. Amen. Praise God. Amen. So we want to take up our discipleship offering. Brother Wayne, if you could help me, sir, be greatly appreciated. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Just rub your whole wallet in there. <laughs> Amen. As you give, as you give unto the Lord. Amen. It's so much fun serving the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Amen. It's good to have everybody in the house of the Lord. Amen. We want to get into our lesson again this morning. Amen. <clears throat> and we've been talking about core values. Amen. And uh, I know I missed the first, so I need to do a little recapulation. Amen. In this. Amen. And we'll see where. Thank you, sir. And we'll go from there. <clears throat> Amen. We're talking about core values. And, you know, some defines the core values as things that you are willing to die for. It's good to have Brother Jeffries with us this morning. And is that Sonny? Amen. Good to have them with us this morning as well. <clears throat> Amen. So we're talking core values. Amen. And James tells us in James chapter 1, verse 22 through 24, he says, be, be you doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For as any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened unto a man, beholding his natural face in the glass. For behold, he behold himself and goeth his way and straightway forget what manner of man he was. Amen. What manner of man he was. Amen. So we're talking about core values. And core values are the fundamental beliefs of a person or an organization. These guiding principles dictate behavior and can help people understand the difference between right and wrong. Core values also help organizations to determine if they are on the right path and fulfilling their goals by creating an unwavering guide. While some people or organization might expressly share their core values, often the best way to identify these values is to watch how people behave, as core values often reflect who you are and your beliefs. Amen. So we said during this lesson we're going to discuss now, we was talking about, and you've been talking about apostolic doctrine. Amen. And doctrine basically is how you fight. When you understand how you really fight, amen, you understand the doctrine. When you understand the doctrine is how you live. How, and you get an understanding of what you are a part of. This is why you find throughout scriptures, Paul writing to the church at Rome, he says, you mark them to call offense contrary to the doctrine and you avoid them. He told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, he says, continue in the doctrine, for in so doing you'll save yourselves and everyone else that hear it from you. So we have to know what the doctrine is and the importance of the doctrine. Amen. And so, as I said, doctrine are usually you're willing to die for your core values. They're never going to change. Your core values never change. That's why, as you notice in the church, we have apostolic doctrine. We have apostolic identity. We have apostolic unity. We have apostolic worship, and we have apostolic ministry. Those five things are not going to change, because why? Ephesians 2 tell us that we're built on the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together and growing up into what? An holy temple unto the Lord. Each of us are temples of Christ. 
Amen. That's why Paul writing to the church at Corinth, he says, Know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You're not your own. You were brought with the price. And so therefore, everything that we do in this vessel, we are making it a vessel of honor, fit and meet for the master's use. You want to be able to be used by God to accomplish his mission and his purpose throughout. When a man and woman join the military, you find that they begin, the first thing they're done, they're indoctrinated with the doctrine. They have to understand what they are part of because they're going to have to carry out certain missions. That's what Jesus did with his apostles. He indoctrinated them immediately with the doctrine and the things that they would need to know because he was going to send them forth to accomplish a mission, to seek and to save that which was lost, which was the same purpose that he came for. And so, therefore, they had to learn the doctrine, as we saw this morning a little bit. You know, they was disciples, and then they became witnesses and servants uh, for the Lord. And so each one of us must become disciples in the doctrine and the things of God. Amen. Because if we don't understand the doctrine... We're not going to have the identity. Identity is based on doctrine and doctrinal truth. Again, that's why I said earlier, when you're a soldier or sailor or airman marine, the first thing they do is indoctrinate them with the doctrine because they're going to have to look a certain way. They're going to have to carry out a certain role so people will realize what they're a part of. You know, most people will tell you that has uh, been in the uniform or uh, worn the uniform. If they see a soldier without a head hat on, what's the first thing they're going to say? Huh? He's out of uniform, right? And it doesn't. They they automatically knows it. You know, and somebody is going to say that guy's going to get in trouble if he don't get a hat on his head quickly if he's outside. Because they're indoctrinated to start with. When you're outside, you wear your headgear unless otherwise you're told differently. Say, so usually if you see an individual out there by himself without a headgear on, you know, you probably know he's probably out of uniform. And so somebody is going to correct him. Uh, if he's got something wrong with his uniform, somebody is going to correct him, you know, and, uh, and that's just the way it is because they're indoctrinated with that doctrine because you have a certain identity that you have to provide and know. Amen. That makes sense? Amen. So doctrines deals with how we fight. See, we need to know how to fight our enemies. The weapons of our warfare are what? They're not carnal, but they are mighty through God, through the pulling down of strongholds. Amen. Doctrine is what we believe to be true. Doctrine help us become disciples, help us in our discipleship. Amen. And to be a disciples of Christ, we're going to need to go through four tests. First is ownership. Amen. We realize that we own nothing. Okay. We realize we own nothing. Everything that is given to us came to us by God. He gives us the strength. He gives us the ability to obtain. We have obedience. Are we obedient? As, as Samuel told Saul, to obey is better than sacrifice. Paul right into the church of the Hebrews says, Obey them which have the rule over you, for they watch for your soul. So we have to be obedient. Then we have the doctrine and the test, amen, of unity. We have to realize we must be united and one front, amen. And then 
we have lordship. It's kind of like I said earlier with the, the, the military. We're all part of what? The Department of Defense. We're united under that umbrella, and we all have the mission to protect the, the, uh, the nation. Amen. So every ounce of, of being a Christian is, is based on truth. It's, um, it's not based on feelings. It's not based on what you think. Christianity is based on truth. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And so we understand the truth, and that's what doctrine is, is doctrine has proven to be true. It's proven that it works, okay? And so, therefore, it's been tested. And so that's why we can stand on the word of God. It's been tested. It's been proven. It is truth. Amen. And so we establish our lives based on that truth. If heaven and earth will not pass away, then we build our lives on that truth. We can stand as well. No matter the storms, no matter the test of life, no matter what comes against us, we shall be able to stand. Amen. So, all right, so let's move on. Amen. You also have studied about identity. Amen. And we hear a lot today in the world about uh, theft identity, identity theft. Somebody wants to steal the identity. Amen. And so, therefore, amen, we need to understand how do we protect our identity. In the world, they give you so many things you can do to protect your identity uh, from being stolen. But how would you say you protect your identity in the church? How would you say you protect your Identity in the church. Anybody? Amen. By being faithful. By being faithful. Amen. That's, that's so true. You, you've got to be who you are. Say, you can't say I'm a Christian today and tomorrow you live like the devil. You know, it, it doesn't work that way. Say, you have to be what you say you are. You have to be faithful. God is faithful. Paul told the church at Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians, amen, chapter 4, verse 1, he says, Be it full, moreover, is required of a servant that a man be what? Found faithful. Say, Proverbs, Solomon says in Proverbs 20, verse 7, he says, Every man will proclaim his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. See, we, we gotta be faithful. To the things of God, to what we say we are. See, we want to be faithful in all that we do. Can God trust you? Can He depend upon you? See, you should automatically, once you become born again, as you start to grow and you realize what God has done for you, it should create a faithfulness in you to say, I'm going to serve, I'm going to do. You know, this is why you look at Paul's life. He's faithful in everything that he's doing. See, he's not about quitting. He's not about giving up. He's faithful. And that's why we, even in our marriage vows, we have to be faithful. We've got to be committed to, to the things that we chose, choose to do. You know, faithful, faithful. You know, faithful servants, faithful witnesses, faithful you know, people of God, identity. So we want to protect our identity by being faithful. We want to protect our identity by being what we said we are, the fruit of the Spirit. Our character 
should reflect, amen, Christ in us, the hope of glory. There's certain things that comes with the Spirit, you know, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, as against such there is no law. These character traits of God should be in us. If you stop and think about, you know, the reproduction process that God made, everything, what, reproduces after its kind. The birds ain't going to produce goats. He's going to produce a bird. Humans are going to reproduce humans. Fish are going to reproduce fish. You know, you know, the bird can't produce something different. So if I say that I am a Christian, then that's what I should be reproducing. See, my likeness. Because we want to keep the same identity. And so, if you look at Acts 4, how do they know that Peter and John had been with Christ? You know, their actions, their stand, their, what they, they believed in, what they taught, what they said. And so it should be the same way with you and I. Our identity should be a reflection of what we truly say that we are. The qualities of our beliefs. Amen. Isn't it amazing if people say they are Christians and they never go to church? What kind of identity is that? Who's going to believe you? You know, if you say you are Christ, but yet people don't know it. You know, where's the identity? Say, so you have to be what you say that you are. You know, that's why when you look at the people that work at McDonald's, what do they tell them? By the time you hit this parking lot, we want you to have on McDonald clothes. Because we want people to see that you are part of us. See? And most businesses, you can tell, you know, usually where people work, you know, by the outfit that they wear and things of that nature. And as a result, if you do something wrong while you're in that uniform to disgrace that business or that organization, guess what? You're probably going to get fired, say, because you represent them, say. So they want you to be a good example. They want you to look your best. They want you to be on your best behavior. You know, they don't want you to do anything that causes discredit to that organization. And it should be that same way for us in the church. Say, our identity should be a reflection of Christ. We don't want people to get a bad influence of God for us doing wrong. I want them to get a good example, you know, of what Christ is all about. You know, I think the, the scripture says, Peter says, you know, be ready to give a hope of everyone to ask you, of, uh, an answer to everyone to ask you of the hope that is in you. Say, so when they look at you and they see you different and, you know, be ready to tell them why. See, holiness is just a separation unto God. Say, and so when you are willing to separate yourself unto God, there's going to be an identity about that. When you are committed, you're going to do everything to represent what you are a part of. Amen. So now let's move on a little bit here, amen, this morning. And we want to talk about apostolic unity. 
apostolic unity. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 3, Paul says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering for bearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Notice, and endeavoring to keep the unity of the body and the bonds of peace. Isn't it amazing when you read scripture that God always put the responsibility on the person that thinks they are right to get it right? <laughs> think about it. But most people don't do that. They'll say, well, he did me wrong. She did me wrong. They said that's to me. So they should come to me. God says, no. If you know that your brother has all against you, you go to them. See? So we must strive to keep the unity of the body. We must be willing to step out to work together to keep the body strong. Because if I have a united front, we are more stronger together. This is why the Bible says a threefold cord is not easily broken. See? If you and I are in agreement, what Jesus says, if two or three of you are gathered together, there I am in the mix of you. So he comes along right with us. And so the cord is even stronger. Amos says in Amos 3.3, how can two walk together except there be an agreement? You know, we agree on the things of God. We may not see eye to eye everything. Amen. But we agree together in unity for the body of Christ. So we're stronger together. This is why husbands and wives, amen, when they get married, what does the scripture say? You become one, not two. You become one. You're united together in holy what? Matrimony. You come together as one. And so the, the, when you're one, you're stronger. See, you're, if you stay divided, the enemy has room to come in to wreak havoc. See, but when you come together as one, when you serve together as one, when you serve God together in unity, that's what unity means. It means oneness. Amen. you coming into that agreement together. Unity in affection. Unity in confidence. Unity in love. You become the same. Amen. We want to be strong together in the Lord because we want to keep the unity of the body. So all of us, as, as Paul says, the whole body, what, fit plainly together and grow up in the Lord, a holy temple. So we begin to unite because it is the strength of the body of Christ. God is not divided. Amen. We join together in love and fellowship with one another. Amen. If one can put a thousand to flight, the Bible says two can put ten thousand to flight. The stronger we are together, the more forceful and more mightier we are together. We must live in unity. We must work together in unity. Amen. So when a husband and wife are in unity, the family is united together. And they are not, amen, divided. It is becomes one. They cling together. And one. Paul asked the church in 1 Corinthians, if you have your Bibles, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12. 
and verse 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Amen. Now I say that every one of you said, I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Are ye, were you baptized in the name of Paul? Amen. Notice, he says, God is not divided. See? And so therefore, there's no division in him. The Bible talks about that we come together that there be no schism in the body. So we want to be together in Christ. Amen. And Acts 2, verse 1 through 4, they was all together, the Bible says, in one place and one accord. And suddenly there came from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, right? And they appeared in them clothed in tongues like as a fire and set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. Notice they was together. The united front, because Jesus told them to go to the Jerusalem and tarry until they be dued with power from on high. And Acts 2.44, notice, they all had what? A common salvation in Jude chapter three, uh, Jude 3, they had a common salvation. And Jude and Acts 2.44, as you look there, Acts 2 verse 44, What did they have? All that believed were what? Together. And they had all things common. See, so we believe that we should be together. The stronger we are together, the more united we are together, the more we can accomplish together, the more the body stays stronger together, we can defeat the enemy together. Amen. And so it's a common thing. So let's come together. So how do we maintain our unity? First Peter chapter three, verse eight and nine. Peter says, finally, be all of what? One mind. Amen. Having compassion. First Peter chapter three, verse eight. Amen. Finally, be all of one mind. Having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. Amen. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessings, knowing that you are therefore called that you should inherit a blessing. So one mind. Amen. One accord. Amen. United together. Having compassion. It is the Lord's mercy that we're not consuming. Why? His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Amen. So we want to have the same mind. That's what Paul says. Let this mind be in you, in Philippians 2, 5, which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Amen. But took upon him the form of a servant. So, therefore, we must be united together in this thing. He will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him. So, one mind. 
Get in the habit of understanding that when you are united in mind and spirit and body and soul, it keeps the unity of the body. Amen. So we maintain, we rejoice with them that rejoice and weep with them with weep. Amen. To keep the unity. When's the last time you rejoice with somebody? Don't get angry when somebody is elevated over you. You're part of the body. Amen. Rejoice. Get excited. Wow, that was great. You did a good job. I'm glad you got that reward. You deserve it. Elevate. Build up. Strengthen. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Say, if someone is going through something, come along beside them. Amen. Because with that, you help edify you help build up. You help strengthen. It's good to know that someone is there for you. Someone is right there beside you doing the right thing to help you through your trials, your circumstance, your trouble. Because why? A two-fold cord or a three-fold cord is not easily broken. So we're building the unit. Be pitiful, he said. What does that mean? Be pitiful. Huh? Tender-hearted. Amen. Be tender-hearted. Amen. Be tender-hearted. Amen. With one another. Show that compassion. Amen. He had compassion on the multitude, right? So what we see in Christ, what we read about in Christ, which should be in us. Because it goes right back to the identity. See? I can't say I'm a Christian and, and not follow the pattern. This is why Hebrews 8, 5 says, see that you make all things according to the pattern showed you in the mount. Amen. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We're talking about maintaining the unity of the body. Ephesians chapter 4, summer, verse 21. Ephesians chapter 4. That's right behind Galatians. <laughs> Amen. Verse 21. Amen. Verse 20. But you have not so learned Christ. If so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. That you put off concerning the former conversations the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. See, to maintain the unity, I can't think the way I used to think. I can't act the way I used to act before God saved me. Say, I'm part of the body now. I have a responsibility in the body to keep the body together, to build it and make it strong. What I do in my life, I don't want to bring any discredit to the body. Say, I want to build the body. I want the body to be strong here. So I want to renew my thinking and the spirit of my mind that you put off on the new man, which that the God is created in what? Righteousness and true holiness. Now, Wednesday night, we was talking about a better priesthood, and we said there was four things that associated that better priesthood with Melchizedek, right? You remember that? What was number one? Anybody remember Wednesday night in our Bible study? 
Number one, we was talking about Melchizedek did what to Abraham first? No. What did he do to him first? He blessed him. He blessed him. Amen. Blessings, God will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply you. So to keep the unity, we've got to get in the habit of blessing people. We're part of a better priesthood. It's not the old Levitical priesthood. So we got to get in the habit of blessing people, doing things for others, helping others. Why? Because we're trying to keep the unity of the body. If I never do anything for her or do anything for him to try to bless them, what's going to happen? Pretty soon they're going to say, he don't care about me. And then the enemy's going to get in their ear and say, he don't care about you. Yeah, why don't you just go somewhere else? Why don't you just do your own thing? And as a result, what happened? We break unity. We, we give him room to operate. That's why the Bible says don't give the devil any room. See, so I got to learn, get into the habit of blessing people and blessing others. Amen. The second thing, Melchizedek was called what? The king of righteousness. I've got to do right in the body. See? Because I'm trying to keep the unity. Each one of us. God is a God of righteousness. We're told to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Our linen, our white garment that's going to get us into heaven is righteousness. See? And so therefore we've got to learn how to operate in doing right. Because if you don't do right in the body, what's going to happen? It's going to leave a breach. And the enemy's going to get in. He can come in through that breach that you're not doing right, and he can create havoc in the body. See? So we got to get in the habit of doing right versus doing wrong. The third thing, amen, what's peace? He's the God of peace. He will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him. Amen. Don't lose your peace. You, you should never lose your peace. Rejoice evermore, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful of nothing but everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made on to God in the peace of God. Amen. Which passes all understandings will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, Philippians 4. Amen. So, 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 amen. So we got to work in peace. We have to get our disagreements out the way. Say, be in the what? Same mind. In the body. You know, if he makes me mad, that's why God says I need to go to him. I need to keep the peace. See? There should be no schism in the body. The enemy wants you to be angry with one another. See? If he can get internal turmoil going, he'll defeat the whole body. You look at our nation right now. What do you think he's doing? I'm not getting political here or anything, but that's what he's doing. Is he's trying to divide. Well, what do we call the United States? So if he can get us to divide, what I think scripture says the house divided against itself cannot stand. So that's what the enemy is trying to do right now. Is divide us as a nation, divide us as states, so that we will fall. Because he knows we can't stand when we're divided. It's the same way in the church. No church can stand when the members are not united. You know, so we have to work in peace. And notice the fourth thing is 
Melchizedek's priesthood would continue forever. See? And so therefore, heaven and earth will pass away, but God is not going to pass away. We're under this new priesthood, which is Jesus Christ. He's not going to pass away. See? So as long as we do these things, bless others, be righteous, walk in peace, we'll continue. We'll continue in unity. We'll continue in love one for the another, one for the brethren, and we'll be strong together. Amen. So in righteousness, in true, notice true holiness. As I said, holiness is nothing that's, you're just separating yourself to God. That's all it is. You're saying, I'm part of you, God. That's why Jesus says in Luke 14, he says, if you don't deny yourself and take up your cross, you can't be my disciple. You know, he's in verse 26 and 27. He says, except you, you know, you love your mother, father, less hate them, you know, you know, and we already realize that word hate does not mean like the world says hate. It means just love less because nothing should trump God. He's preeminent. So he's got to always be the head. Amen, is what that means. And we take up our cross, amen, we're saying, hey, I don't want to have anything to do with the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life, things that's going to pull me back to the world. Say, I want to commit my life and myself to him, amen, and serve him, because I want to be a part of this united body, amen. So true holiness is separation unto him. Verse 25, wherefore put away lying, notice, if I put away lying, because if I'm a liar, if I'm a gossip, then what's going to happen? I'm going to break unity. All these things is, is he's trying to get us. He's, he, he, this is all part of that same form chapter where you started from the beginning. Amen. Speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. It doesn't do you good to lie to me. I'm part of your body. <laughs> you know, that's what he's saying here. We're one. So if you want to hurt you, lie to me. That's all that's going to happen. You're hurting you. You're, you know, yeah, I, I might feel a sting, but it's going to hurt you too. It's just like you go out there and slam your hand in that door. You don't think your head is going to feel it? Your, your feet's going to feel it? It's going to send a shockwave through your whole body. You're going to go, ah! Uh, is I that stupid? You know, to do that, you know, so you got to realize this. Amen. So let's put away lines. Speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we're members one. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands the things which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communications proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away with you from with all malice. And be ye kind one another, tenderhearted, Forgiven one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us, and has given unto himself 
for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for sweet smell and savor, for fornication and all uncleanliness or covetousness. Let it not be named once amongst you as becoming saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather the giving of thanks. Amen. So notice here what Paul is trying to get us to see, how to keep the unity of the body. That's what that whole fourth chapter is, is he's trying to show us, look, this is how you keep unity. Because he starts out and says, I'm asking you to endeavor to keep the unity of the body. See? And then he tells us how to do it. Don't be angry. Don't sin. Don't lie. Don't steal. See? Look at Aiken's life. What happened? They come across, you know, the children of Israel. They was obedient now. After 40 years in the wilderness, they were a united front. They crossed the Jordan River. Amen. And they come in. God tells them, okay, everybody be quiet. Just walk. Round. One day, go back. Second day, one time, go back. Go do it for seven days, seven times. And then when I give the command, everybody shout, right? Look at the unity. What happened? Well, when the unity, they all shouted, the walls just went, okay? Because they was obedient to what God had said. They was in a united front. They violated something, right? Aiken took of the accursed things. See? They was ready for the next battle. They go to AI. They didn't inquire of God to start with. They just took it upon themselves. Okay, God is here. God is with us. You know, we're going to go in here. So it's don't take everybody. Uh, just, just take a few folks up and do it. 26 people died. Then all of a sudden, they're wondering what's going on. Whoa, whoa, what happened? God says, you haven't done what I told you. There's sin in the camp. One man caused disunity, and it gave the enemy the victory. Okay? And as a result, you know, they had to get that out of the body he caused him his own life, his family life, his livestock life, all those things, you know. But then, notice, then they went up again, and they was victorious, and they were victorious from that standpoint, you know, because they got back into the unit, unity of the front. Okay? And as long as we stay in the unity of the front, we can accomplish what God is asking us to accomplish. See, unity is the three letters start with you and I. It takes you and I to be in a united front for the kingdom of God. Amen. And so we want to be in a united front. Amen. So the purpose is so we don't give room to the devil so that we can do what God has asked in us. You know, if you stop and look at when they showed up on the battlefield, they was all in a united front. And as a result, they accomplished what they were set out to accomplish. Amen. And so when we go back and as we study our doctrine and we look at the purpose of doctrine and how we maintain doctrine and 
what doctrine really is, you see it rolls us to the identity. And then from the identity, we come into the united front. And we begin to build ourselves. Amen. Go to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. Hebrews, James, chapter 3. Starting down with verse 13. Who is a wise man and endure with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good behavior or good conversation his work with meekness and wisdom. But if you have bitter, envy, and strife in your heart, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descend not from above, but is earthly, but is sensual, and is devilish. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceful, then gentle, and easy to be full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace to them that make peace. Amen. So notice what James is saying. He says, if you've got bitter and envying, then it's going to be confusion. Say. And that's what the enemy wants. If he can get you to be envious of someone else, then it's going to break the unity. This is why Paul says, rejoice with them that rejoice and weep with them that weep. We're not going to be envious. If you look at King Saul, King Saul was given everything he needed to be successful. Amen. God just give, gave him all the people he needed. The Bible says from the time he was anointed, they went forth with him a band of men whose hearts God had touched. Amen. He had everything he needed to be successful. Even when God was bringing David on the scene. Amen. He could have still been successful. What happened? He let envy get in his heart. He let jealousy get in his heart. And as a result, it started breaking the unity. It started breaking the bonds. It started breaking the body. And as a result, it gave room to the enemy. See? And as a result, Saul died. Jonathan died. His brother died. A lot of people lose their lives. See? But when we're in a united front, see? That's why in, in, in military terminology, you see... You know, when they build a coalition, they want everybody to be what? Under one unified command. They don't want a whole bunch of, of, of other commands being in control. See? Because if you got more than one head, they say it's what? A freak. <laughs> you know? And so, and as a result of that, they bring everybody under one head so that we have one leader giving the shots to keep the unity of the body. You don't want everybody doing their own things. Okay? That's why God gives in his body pastors and evangelists and pastors and teachers for what? The perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Until we all come into the what? Unity. Amen. Unity. 
We want to be in this united front. Amen. And all that we do as children of God. Amen. Go to First John chapter 1, verse 5. First John chapter 1, verse 5 through 7. This is the message which we have heard and declare unto you, that God is what? Light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we do not the truth. Amen. But if we walk in the light, as he is the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sins. See, here's the message. God is light. So, if we are united, then we should all be light. I can't be light and you be darkness. That's not unity. Amen. That's why I look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6 now. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Verse 7, chapter 7, verse 1. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship have righteousness with unrighteousness? Notice. If righteousness is unrighteous, is not united. What communion have light with darkness? Your light. The what concord have Christ with the law, or what path part have he that believe with an infidel? And what agreement have the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and there shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye holy, uh, separate, which is holy, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean things, and I will receive you, and I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, said the Lord Almighty. Therefore, having these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, and perfect holiness in the fear or reverence in God. Right? So notice, light and darkness, you don't. Amen. You're one. You're the temple. That's why Jesus says in John 3 to Nicodemus, says, here's condemnation. He says, light has come into the world, but men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. See, I can't have evil deeds and say I'm in the body. It's like cancer. It's going to create a problem. See? So we want to be united in him. That's why Jesus says in Matthew 5, 13, he says, you're the salt of the earth. But if the salt is lost his savor, where is it going to be salted? He says in verse 16, you are the light of the world. You're a city set on the hill that cannot be hidden. He says, you don't buy a candle and put it on the bushel. You put it on the candlestick so it gives light. To the whole room. So this is what you're supposed to be in the body. is a reflection. A light. To a lost and dying world. All of us together. As the body of Christ. United. Revealing. 
Think about how much light should be shown in this city when we're united. Everywhere you go, you should be lighting up the world. Everywhere I go, I should be lighting up the place. See? Because we're light. Because he's light. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, ah, no. We're not. we got to be united together. Galatians 5.16 This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not, what? Fulfill the lust of the flesh. Say, In other words, live. Live. All those words, behavior, communications, that you read, that's what it means. Behave the way you're supposed to behave. Live right. Because why? We're part of this better priesthood. So we got to live the way we say we are and who we are. Our identity must be a reflection of Him. Amen. Paul says, I want to know Him. That's why he turned to the Galatians. He says, oh, foolish Galatians, who have bewitched you? You know, he says, did you start out in the Spirit? Now you think you're going to be made perfect by the flesh? No way. See? So we want to make sure, brothers and sisters, that we are and united together, you and I together. Amen. See? So Paul says, live like you say you are. And if you're a Christian, then live that way. You can't say you are a Christian and trust in yourselves. Don't yell, scream, holler, kick your dog, kick your cat, all that stuff. You know, that's that's not in unity. Amen. <laughs> Amen. We want to bind together in one mind and one accord. Amen. And we'll pick up on this again next week, talking some more about unity. I got all kinds of notes here I haven't even got to yet. But uh, we'll talk about that. We'll be back and forth a little bit, a little bit, and a little bit here, a little bit there. Amen. Praise God. All right. Again, welcome everybody to the church. Thank you, Brother Jeffers, for being with us this morning. Amen. So let's take about a 10-minute break and get ready for a dynamic service. Amen. God bless you. Greet one another.